Kronka Lunka, Dunkity, Diders Get Dabbited. You are now listening to Writers Get Animated. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling and animation and little orange men. I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And I'm Chris Leva. So we are gearing up in this episode for our uh, next week's episode about Tom and Jerry, colon, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which you may have heard of from the internet. Um, and we're really... I'm using air quotes here. You can't hear them over the podcast in your ears. But if you could hear air quotes, this is it. We're excited to talk about <laughs> Tom and Jerry, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory next week. So this week... Oh, go ahead, Chris. All I was going to say was... The as they've billed it in all their marketing as an all new original movie, which none Put of air the, quotes around everywhere. <laughs> all new original movie. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> so to get us ready, as you were about to say, I'm almost willing. I'm almost willing to give it movie without air quotes. Almost, but not quite. I don't think I can. Um, so that, that'll be a fun episode next week. But today we're talking about parody and starting with good parodies of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Um, this is kind of one of those classic stories. I don't know what to call these modern fairy tales, modern parables, modern mythology of storytelling. Like Wizard of Oz is among these stories that you see like, oh, we're doing an animated show. Um, in this episode, we're going to parody, um, and like you spin a wheel like we do for it, right? <laughs> exactly. The wheel of crossovers, or no, yeah. the wheel of tropes. <laughs> wheel of tropes. This is the Wizard of Oz episode. I guess we, oh, had, we have to add that to the wheel of tropes for this. We, I don't think Wizard of Oz and Willy Wonka are on the uh, wheel of tropes. Well, we already have, well, we should add them, but we already have like crossovers we'd have like... Justice League and Star Wars Rebels are the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> but it, it is interesting when you when you pull these together because as you were saying, they are modern myths. They've been around for a long time. I mean, Wizard of Oz has been around much longer, of course, mm -hmm. in terms of you know the the movie. And it's always the movie that people are referencing, not so much the book or the nine original books from L. Frank Baum. <laughs> Everyone's just, it's all just Judy Garland and Ruby Slippers. And I think it's the same with Willy Wonka, too. Like, everyone references the movie and the songs and not the original Roald Dahl book. Well, it, the fact that they call it Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory says everything you need to know because mm -hmm. it's... Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is the original book. It's all about Charlie. And no one's going to reference the 2007 movie? The uh, Johnny Depp it was, catastrophe? It was 2005 because my wife and I saw it in IMAX for our honeymoon. Oh. That wasn't all we did on our honeymoon. I don't want you to think like we went to Chicago to see Willy Wonka. I'm sorry. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. We, um, we, we, you know, also got couples massages and fun stuff, but that's not what this is about. <laughs> Tell us, Chris, what else did you do on your honeymoon? <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a cruise. Uh, no, um, <laughs> but 
But these these are stories that we continue to tell and are remade. I believe there's even uh, Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz new series on Amazon, I think, right now. That's just yeah. that just started up. So these are things that people keep going back to the well to get. I mean, there's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is running on Broadway right now. So it it's this these stories that just you can't get away from them. And it's they become like these whole episode things too. It's not like a one throwaway joke. Like look at us, we're referencing um, Silence of the Lambs with this one throwaway joke. <laughs> ha 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 ha. Um, it's not like a hello Clarice moment. It's, and it, we're not talking about this episode, but I'm interested when these modern myths go from like a very specific reference to this cultural knowledge. Like we have, I, th- I would say that Batman, you could put in the same category of like in this episode, we're going to parody Batman as 30 rock does in one episode or, um, on the opposite end, these very specific references, the Simpsons have a whole like Evita episode. <laughs> Right. And, like, I didn't know what that was when I saw it, but that's because I don't do musicals, and I'm a bad person that way. I admit this, listeners. You don't have to tweet me and tell me I'm a bad person. I know <laughs> I'm a bad person. So, I guess what what it goes through, there are everything from Family Guy to Futurama to, as we're talking about today, Futurama and Dexter's Lab have Yay. have their own Willy Wonka episodes. And like you were saying, it's not a throwaway joke. It's not somebody drinks something and chokes on a golden ticket, you know, or, you know, and that's it. That's the only part of it. It's the whole plot. It takes over the whole thing because there, I don't know if it's because there's so many things ripe for parody from the film mm-hmm. or if it's just, well, if we're going to do that, we may as well do the whole thing. I, I don't know what the decision is. You know, if, if you make that decision to say, well, we're going to go have them get a tour of the factory. And, of course, you're going to reference it every step of the way. Is it too iconic for, I, and I use that a little bit in air quotes, like half air quotes. Is it too iconic to not reference it when you go to something like characters exploring a factory or getting a factory tour well to be fair i think both of our examples today are from the 90s um so i i can't think of more recent examples that are willy wonka parodies i mean like explicit parodies not like whatever tom and jerry colon willy wonka and the chocolate factory is (laughs) i don't think that's a parody but i don't know what it is um so it's like, is it too played out at this point? Is it low-hanging fruit? Or is there like a specific window when something becomes ripe for parody of like original plus 20 years equals grown adults parodying this as they've become writers? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That's a really good question because I know that um, I was trying to explain to my son the plot of a play that I'm working on, which is um, based on the second book in the Oz series. But I was trying to explain to him Wizard of Oz. And it's Mm -hmm. been, he hasn't seen the movie for years and he doesn't remember it. So I was trying to explain about 
Dorothy and the Scarecrow and the Wizard. And his frame of reference was, oh, it's like that episode of Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. And, and Mickey needed a brain and, you know, Donald needed a heart. And I was like, or no, Donald needed courage. And I was just like, what? <laughs> so you, you can't get away from, it's, it's, everyone's done their version of it. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> it, it just threw, threw me for how much it's, it's just there. So I think there is something for what you're saying about people growing up with something and then coming into their own and making their own version of it. But there also has to be a certain kind of comedy. I don't think you can do it, so to speak, straight in terms of just show it on its own. I think you have to be mocking it in a lot of ways. But we're all in on the joke. Yeah, like if it's if it's a drama like Wizard of Oz, and I would say Willy Wonka is also a drama. Like, I can't think of examples where another show has done like a straight up drama retelling of it, other than Tom and Jerry, Colin, Willy Wonka, and the Chocolate Factory, which, as we'll get into, is not good. It doesn't work. <laughs> but here's the here's the other side <clears throat> of things. It's it's something that everyone loves. I think there's a great deal of love for it. Mostly because of Gene Wilder. I mean, let's be real. It's I think most of our love of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory comes from Gene Wilder's performance. But it's there's so many things that just get seared into your brain as a kid that just it's just images. And when you could work with images and just they're just easily mocked. Oompa Loompas short orange people you can yeah. you can see and it's just such a striking visual um the chocolate waterfall and the boat ride that traumatizes every young child <laughs> i think i think there's a great coming of age when you get to experience that horrifying <laughs> experience you you get to have that yeah I mean, there's a snake in it, which for me is the thing that I always get freaked out. I'm like, oh, my gosh, where's the snake part? Oh, there's a snake part. And somebody, it's just freaky, freaky. So I think there's these iconic landmarks visually within it that you can reference very, very easily. So for our discussion today, what... What makes a good parody? What's in a parody? Like, how are we defining these two episodes we're talking about? Well, I think you ha- in a parody, you have to parody something that is well-known enough that people will know what you're making fun of. Mm-hmm. I think that's just in line. It's something that has to be culturally significant. Um, and I'll say... One thing about that when we talk about Futurama, about things being culturally significant. But I think it also has to be a, you're, you're turning it and there has to be some kind of twist to it. You can't just, as we were saying, you can't tell it straight. You have to make a trans, transform it in some kind of way. Yeah, which I think le- lends it to either being a comedic version of a dramatic thing 
or not in the case of Willy Wonka, but I think in some cases, a dramatic version of a comedic thing. Mm-hmm. Or an adult version of a childhood thing. Yeah. Like either you're showing like, oh yeah, this isn't as innocent as it seems. Um, like, of course, I think famously many, many parodies of Willy Wonka mock the Oompa Loompas as basically slaves. Right. Which is true. My dream is <laughs> my, my dream is to do a um, Thomas the Tank Engine, but as a David Mamet play. <laughs> That's my dream. Uh, okay. I don't know how it will work. I don't know either. Like, That's why I haven't written it. <laughs> Oleana David Mamet or like Glengarry Glen Ross David Mamet? I'm going Glengarry Glen Ross. Like okay. men in suits, but they're colored like the train engines. Call is for deliverers. <laughs> that's what. That's exactly right. You think you're so special, Thomas. You think you're yes. so special. You have to get Alec Baldwin back. <laughs> uh, so, speaking of Alec Baldwin, I think you also need puns about the most famous parts. <laughs> this lends us right into that discussion. That's exactly I right. I don't think any parody is complete without, like, both obvious and complex puns. Yes. And the more puns, the better. Yeah. I never thought I'd say that. But I'm establishing it as a rule, not like something I like. Just, it's a rule of this thing. It's a rule of this very specific kind of parody where you're taking a culturally significant um, filmic or property and using it for your own devices as mm -hmm. a parody. You, you have to... And I think the pun is part of the transformation of it though i think yeah. i think the pun is you continually twisting it and reminding them that this is not the thing itself this is me making fun of the thing itself and whether it's a visual pun or a written pun you're just having to keep those mini transformations going I'm kind of picturing that piece of art. It's a very famous piece of art. I forget who it's by, but it's the the like painting of a pipe, and it says, "This is not a pipe." In French, below it, it's like you're saying, "This is not a Willy Wonka movie." <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> it's like it, it has all the trappings, but this is not a Willy Wonka movie. You have to like be clear, because <laughs> if you don't, then you have Tom and Jerry, and then who wants that? And then here's the thing. As, as as you put this in the notes, but how does this story highlight the core conflicts in your main characters? And I think some another question that goes along with that is, how is this still an episode of the show that you're you're in? So mm -hmm. so how is this still an episode of Futurama? How is this still an episode of Dexter's Laboratory? You have to say make it so that they are still have the DNA of the show while you're injecting this little bit of hormonal imbalance. Yeah. Like of, of Willy Wonka <laughs> in, in the idea of like wizard of Oz. I don't think you can do a wizard of Oz parody in your show unless one of your characters already needs a brain. One of them already needs a heart and one of them already needs courage or unless you call it out like Zoidberg says, I'm the other guy. Yeah, courage, whatever. Need more of it, yeah. <laughs> and I'm the other guy. <laughs> courage, I need more of it. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs>
yeah, so <laughs> I think that if you, you can get away with like fudging it a little bit, um, but like Wizard of Oz doesn't work as a parody unless you already have those characters specifically. Um, Willy Wonka, I, I don't think works unless you have like an innocent character at its core. I think that's true. Um, it, you have to have people. Okay, if we look at just the plot of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate mm-hmm. Factory, a somebody, a crazy person, lets people into his factory through a contest, mm-hmm. and then weeds off people who act inappropriately until there's one person left who is still somewhat, I would say, um, not perfect, but is has a better heart than the rest. Mm-hmm. And then transfers over the power of the factory to that person. So there's the initial golden ticket business that you have to deal with. How do people get win their chance to get to the factory because it has to be a contest. And then do you weed people out and have the songs that weed people out? And then what are you left with when the person either wins or doesn't win? I think those are, those are the three main things that you have to look at everything else. You can kind of, play play around with but usually those are the three things that at its core you have to address somehow in the plot if you're adding the trappings of a Willy Wonka parody and onto your episode. In, in addition I don't think that you need to reference the exact original versions but you should have songs oh you absolutely do I'm sorry <laughs> I, I was talking core story elements but as far as um, other jewelry to add to it, to the trappings. Yes, you do need music. Mm-hmm. You absolutely have to. Yeah, and both of our episodes today do have music in them. And I think there's nothing as readily accessible to parody and easy to parody as the Oompa Loompa songs from Willy Wonka. You cause you could think of a dumb rhyme because you could make up a word with like, you, all you have to do is rhyme with dumpity do or dumpity d, and then you'll be able to, to make the rhyme that you want. That's the joke that Futurama does really, really well that we referenced yeah. at the beginning of our episode. Even here, a parody of a parody, we, you, you have to do the Oompa Loompa song. Yeah. And let's let's talk about Futurama season one, episode thirteen, Fry in the Slurm Factory, airing in nineteen ninety nine. Oh my goodness. Cause we do get that very specific Oompa Loompa parody that I think is worthy of parody in itself because it like makes the Oompa Loompa song so obvious. Um with the they make it so obvious you can predict what's happening. It's not like Oompa Loompa doobity doo, it's grunka lunka dunkity darn guards. <laughs> That, yeah, that is the best. I, I laugh so hard at that because, of course, and this is one of the good things of the 2005 Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is 
Charlie asking after the first time the Oompa Loompa sing a song, it's like, how did they know what was going to happen to him? (laughs) (laughs) Did they have a song rehearsed? (laughs) Exactly. They seemed really rehearsed and they knew his, he was in the song. Was this plotted out? Like Charlie's questioning, how did they know what was going to happen? And it's, it's a really solid moment. And then it's just about like, Moving on, <laughs> let's keep going. But yeah, you you do you're playing around with the fact that these people are making it up on the spot. Grunkalunka, dumpity, darned guards, as you said, or degrading ingredient. <laughs> you should not ask about the secret ingredient. Secret ingredient. <laughs> it's just like Grunka, and every time they just start the song, Grunka, Lunka, you know, like, oh gosh, they're going to sing. <laughs> and the first time you're like, okay, this is cute. It's obvious. And like, it gets more and more obvious as the episode goes on. <laughs> the point they're just sailing, like, shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> which I didn't know that I felt that same exact way until I watched Tom and Jerry, which I'm going to leave that for the next time. But yeah. Do we have to do this for every child? Do we have to do this for every kid? (laughs) They're not all special. They're already gone. You're not singing to them anymore. Um, So let's talk about Fry and the Slurm Factory. Um, And one thing that I think as an adult writer watching this episode that works really well for it is they know that their parody can't fill a whole 22 minutes. And so they have like this extended unrelated opening with the F-Ray in the search for the golden bottle cap. (laughs) Which is funny on its own because... It totally is. It remembers that it's an episode of Futurama. And as we were saying, how would the characters in Futurama get their hands on, in this case, a a golden bottle cap inside of a can? (laughs) (laughs) Which is just ridiculous in its own sense. Like, wait, you put a bottle cap inside of a can? It's super funny. Bender and Fry get the F-ray to look into things. Um, I would say, like, it's only loosely attached to the actual parody in this episode, but it's genuinely memorable. Like, there's some very good quotable moments. Yes. And, again, it's just Futurama being silly about it. Like, if we're going to do this, of course they're going to try to cheat. And, of course, we need to give them a tool to cheat. And here they go. Here's the F-ray that looks like a flashlight. And they just shine it on all the cans of slurm that they can possibly find. Um, One thing that I want to say is that Matt Granning never saw Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. (laughs) Okay. In, In the commentary, they talk about how it's something that he's never seen. So he didn't even know what they were really referencing. And he was like, is, is that in the original movie or did we come up with that? that was, was the constant conversation of, was this us or was that the original? <laughs> Wait, they actually have songs like that? Wait, they actually have that? Wait, this is, oh, this is from the original movie? So as of the, <laughs> the DVD commentary, um, Matt Groening still has not seen... Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, something that they were parodying here in this. I want to watch the DVD commentary of Willy Wonka with Matt Greening. 
<laughs> Why Not did... this episode of Futurama. The movie. Yeah, I, I want to have his commentary on the movie. <laughs> what is this? Oh, that's what they were talking about. This is <laughs> this is much weirder. <laughs> Was this the book or the movie? <laughs> but um, I, I like... And you made a note of this. I like how Fry wins the contest because that's always the thing is how is the main character going to end up getting the thing? Because you have to surprise people because it's not going to be a surprise that they win because it's your main character and there's a big contest. What, are they going to lose? Mm-hmm. Are they not going to go on the... T- I guess that would be the other reversal. That's that's how you do a parody that's a throwaway joke is, well, I guess I didn't win. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> oh, I didn't win the contest. guess I'm going to go drink a lot of Slurm and have an adventure on planet Slurmulon without doing the fact... I don't know. It, yeah, it's just like, well, I guess... Oh, well. Yeah. But So how does Fry win? They, they go out with the F-Ray to try to find the bottle cap, but... He gives up. He says, I'm, I've had all these slurms. I'm never going to drink a slurm again. Mm, I'm thirsty. He grabs a can of slurm that he already had in the fridge and drinks it and gets a bottle cap stuck in his throat. The winning bottle cap. And I think that's that's part of the core because you don't want to have a Willy Wonka parody where the, the main character who's innocent to a degree gets there by cheating. Right. So, like, he's still, like, he was trying to cheat, but he still got there innocently. <laughs> You are, you, yeah, you get to have your cake and eat it too, I guess. He's an innocent. He he still can be the Charlie mm-hmm. because it, when we look at the five golden tickets <clears throat> and we look at the seven deadly sins, you know, encapsulated into the souls of five children, essentially. <laughs> um, you have Charlie who... I think his sin is poverty. Is that a seven deadly sin? I, I think. No. Oh, it's not? Okay, I don't know. <laughs> Let's make poverty a sin. Well, I mean, that, that's a modern deadly sin, according to some Republicans. But Ah, you beat me to it. I was pausing there, and then you beat me. T- ah, never mind. Darn it. Darn you. <laughs> Same brain. Uh-huh. Snatched. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the problem when you share a brain. Sometimes the other half of it starts to... Anyway, okay. so you have poverty. You have... Um, you look at... Violet Beauregard. Mm. You have Augustus Gloop. You have Mike TV. And you have Veruca Salt. Veruca, her father cheats to get in. So if Fry and Bender had successfully cheated, you would have put them in the camp of Veruca, which would have meant their trip to the Slurm Factory would have been tainted, which means that it's really Veruca and the Chocolate Factory, which doesn't end well. You still, yes. have, you still have to keep them, keep your characters pure, make sure they're the Charlie character, unless that's how, that's another way to bend it. Like, oh, I guess we're not going to win. <laughs> and they get thrown out because there's a, or they see a poor child and like, oh, we're not going to win this one. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see a parody episode where they try to win a bunch of different things. They keep going to different factories. <laughs> and there's maybe the same same poor child. Like, how many factories do you own now, kid? <laughs> this is it my, itself. <laughs> this is my sixth factory. 
I, I own all the chocolate in the world. Now I need a still meal. <laughs> <laughs> I just need one for graphics processors. <laughs> now I'm making iPhones. Well, I was going to go with, I got the golden Samsung. And you know if you win or not, because it explodes and it has a oh. golden part on the inside. Oh. oh. So, <laughs> <laughs> how else does Futurama change this? They, I, I think the biggest thing about the Futurama is the big transformation of the core conceit is that in Willy Wonka... They're going in to see how this seemingly ordinary chocolate bar gets made. And it's made in this wondrous, amazing, magical place. It's stirred by a chocolate waterfall. You can eat everything. Things are just Looney Tunes in there without like the actual Looney Tunes characters. But things are actually just crazy. But it's how he makes his chocolate. They're seeing the reality behind the mundane is pure magic, pure mm. imagination, dare I say. If you will. If, I, <laughs> if you would permit me. <laughs> um, but in the Slurm Factory, the big reversal is that this is just what we're showing people, but the real, there's a truth. And there are two doors that they that the crew stumbles upon, which is fake factory and real factory. Yes. And they open the door to the fake factory and see a couple of smoking grunkalunkas. <laughs> the the parody Oompa Loompa characters, of course, just hanging out next to the Slurm River. And then they open the other door and see where Slurm really comes from, the truth of Slurm. So there's a fun added mystery that we were, we invited you to take a look at our factory and it was all a lie. And even if it hadn't been a lie, it would still fit in the Futurama world. So it's a good twist because it's, you look at Willy Wonka and say, this couldn't possibly happen. This is all pure fantasy. And you look at Futurama and it's putting that pure ridiculous fantasy behind all these like mundane futuristic things. <laughs> That's the plot of the show, but then they show that it's just mundane, gross, corporate addiction. <laughs> and they've, they've kind of combined the Chocolate Factory with, like, 90s and 80s Budweiser. Yes. Which I also really enjoy. Because they have Slurms McKenzie. Slurms McKenzie, the original party animal, slash a parody of Spuds McKenzie. That wonderful dog with the spot on his eye. That is my namesake. Just kidding, Mom and Dad. <laughs> you sure your parents didn't name you after Spuds McKenzie? I'm sure I'm not named after Spuds McKenzie. But I did. One of my favorite stuffed animals as a kid was a Spuds McKenzie stuffed animal. Which, in retrospect, <laughs> Budweiser should probably not have produced like a stuffed animal beer mascot for kids. Was it anywhere at all near your Joe Camel doll? Or... I did not have a Joe Camel doll, and oh. I don't think that Joe Camel could have done that at the time. <laughs> I don't think Budweiser could do that now, but in the late 80s, early 90s, yes, they could. And I think, what, I feel like there was even an animated show at the time of Spuds McKenzie that happened. Oh my gosh, was there? I feel they like... They just brought him back for like a Super Bowl commercial this year. Spuds McKenzie, coming back, yo. 
The original party animal. So what else does Futurama do with their parody? I mean, we talked about how they made mention of the music and just called out how ridiculous it was to have these characters sing about every <laughs> everything. They called out the fantasy and the weirdness of it. They call out how it's actually a corporate entity and it's more of a marketing campaign than really the recluse owner of a factory. Mm -hmm. um, we do get the fitting punishments for the characters as well, but it's all at the end of the episode when the Slurm Queen like ties up Leela to make her into this slurm worm that produces disgusting slurm and has a plot to turn Bender into like a thousand slurm cans and Fry is free to go if he can escape the super addictive slurm. Which is pure slurm, just put, gone from directly the body of the giant slurm queen into a trough, which is of all the images that Futurama has created over the years, that's one that sears itself <laughs> to the back of your nightmare sensors <laughs> and just, just lingers there. It lingers there and it's just so, I can't even call it powerful, but it's, it is a striking image. And then when she sucks her own tail and drinks of her own slurm, it just, and this, it's, it's, you, you get Tress McNeil crying and gulping and just a, a, an added sound of an animal excreting. And you're just like, what, what, am, what, wh what? That's, that's what I, I think. I, it's something you're both repulsed by but also can relate to because the image that's burned <laughs> in my bread is her creating the super concentrated slurm like yeah slurm queen that's some constipation you should take some fiber it'll be done in a couple days <laughs> like we've all been there and we're all disgusted by it but we can all relate to it <laughs> it's just questionable as to what secretions they're collecting Honey comes from a bee's behind. Does it though? No, that's the other thing. They're like justifying like all these things that come from animal behinds and none of it's real. <laughs> 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 you don't even want to know who's behind toothpaste comes from. <laughs> oh gosh, it's just so, I don't think I've thought about it this, this hard, but my gosh, it's just. It's one of those where you kind of go, oh, and laugh at the same time because of how awful it is. Just like, I can't believe I'm watching this. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. Oh, uh, 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 I need some fiber. Uh. <laughs> and I think if they had lingered on it more, it would have gone to, this isn't even funny anymore. Yeah. Like, I think some shows would have, in the 90s, in the earlier 90s, would have done a close-up of, of it and done one of those matte painting kind of versions of it, like a la Ren and Stimpy, where you see like yep. pimples on it and other and warts on it. And then you see like hair coming out of it and you just see the detailed version. And it like, they great. I'm grateful they didn't do that. So they didn't Ren and Stimpy it and they didn't family guy it. 
<clears throat> like Family Guy would have been like, let's do it for a minute straight while the characters do other things and like go get it to the corner store, get a, like a pack of Slurm to like drink while they're waiting for the Slurm Queen to finish. And then she'll do like another one. They would have just beat it to death. Yes. You don't need to beat the joke to death. You told the joke. It's done. Sorry, I'm getting into my Family Guy soapbox, but it's done. Not every joke is a rake joke <laughs> from Cape Fear. I know. They didn't know what a monster they were creating. I love that joke, but um, The Simpsons. If only they'd known. <laughs> you were the chosen one. <laughs> oh, goodness. Should we? Do we have anything else to say about the Futurama episode as it transformed things, as it... I guess, in summary, it picked something that's culturally significant and put a new twist on it that made it comedic and also explored, like, kind of the dark adulthood background of what this whimsical childhood thing could be. And it gave us wonderful songs and so, so many puns that fit the relationship of the main characters already in the show. So, in summary, Frying the Slurm Factory is an excellent episode, period. <laughs> uh, I wish all my final paragraphs and all my essays could be written as thusly. <laughs> I, I've started writing in summary at the end of my emails for work. In summary. <laughs> this, 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 period. Well, like, I, I believe in the power of communication, and so I'll write a long email, and then I know no one will read it. Not no one. There'll be some people who won't read it, so I put in summary at the end <laughs> and make a bulleted list. In conclusion, Medea was a Hellenistic hero. <laughs> period. <laughs> That's all. The Holy Roman Empire was neither holy nor Roman. Discuss. <laughs> Let's look at Dexter's lab. Which we somehow have not yet talked about for this podcast. We haven't. There's been lots of other things to get through. There's a, there's a whole back catalog that we have to get through. And if, if we want to stay on current things, like Tom and Jerry and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory... I'm sorry, Tom and Jerry, colon, Willy... Oh, that, even the title's confusing and infuriating. Yeah. It's, I mean, if by backlog of things to get to, you mean this is our, like, 19th Futurama episode. Yes, you are correct. Okay, call that out. That's fine. <laughs> Not 19. Maybe 9. So, Dexter's Lab, the se season 2, episode 22, Golden Disquette, uh. from 1997. And if you've seen this, this has also burned itself into your brain. Because I barely remember any other Dexter's Lab episodes. But this one, I remembered almost entirely. This is one of the rare ones that I hadn't seen before. <gasps> I'd, I've seen a lot of Dexter's Lab. Not as much as the next person. But this is one that somehow in my... You know, when we used to watch TV and they'd show it at specific times mm -hmm. on specific days. And you couldn't go back and watch it whenever... I know our young listeners won't understand this concept. I know. So, this was the 90s. Sometimes you miss an episode and they didn't play it again. And it was and, never available on home video. And if they did it at a certain time, you were like, well, I'm not going to be at home at that time either. And my VCR is still flashing, you know, 12. So it doesn't know what time it is. How is it going to know to record? This is why they did reruns like overnight between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. on most channels. So you could record it when you were recording other shows you'd rather watch. This is how reruns work overnight. Anyway, done with the 90s. Let's talk about the 90s. Yes. 
Golden Diskette, another Willy Wonka parody, except I think this is like the the model for like the Silicon Valley like tech company now, which is kind of weird. Like this episode feels too relevant for something that didn't exist at the time when it came out. (laughs) (laughs) It's really strange. Um, Essentially, Dexter and DD go to the store in the mall that sells computers. So basically an Apple store. <laughs> and they're trying to win a contest from all these geeks behind a counter who dress in the exact same way and are offended when you don't know things about their company. <laughs> it's this kind of magical thing. Windows store might be more appropriate because it is a Bill Gates parody. Um, but there are people there, so it's not a Windows store. Ooh. Oh. Oh. Um, and so Dexter's all excited, as we mentioned earlier, to win this contest. He's the main character. It's a contest to go to this computer factory. Of course, Dexter's going to win. And he has like the build up, and it's like a shot for shot remake of Charlie unwrapping the first chocolate bar, and there's no golden ticket. And Dexter's crushed. And then Dee Dee screams, I got it! And then his sister, who hates technology and science and loves whimsical ballet and destroying things and like stereotypical 90s girl things, Dee Dee's problematic, but I love her. Um, <laughs> very, very problematic. Um, she wins this golden diskette. So Dexter then spends the next chunk of the episode trying to convince her to take him as her guest. And then they tour this wonderful factory that's very whimsical about computers and has songs with Professor Hawk, who is both Stephen Hawking and Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. Like, it's everything rolled into one. Yes, which is a horrifying, like, conglomeration of personalities. (laughs) Who is Professor Huck? You asked us. Who is Professor Huck? We'll tell you. <laughs> it's a great song. It is but a yeah, great song. He's got the turtleneck of Steve Jobs, the glasses of Bill Gates, and the floating bird-like body of Stephen Hawking. <laughs> I feel like they were referencing a lot of, almost trying to make him into a Professor X kind of character from... Oh my God, you're right. From X-Men, where he had a floating wheelchair essentially they do love their comic books they do love their comic books so i that's the that's what i got i didn't get the stephen hawking but i can totally see that his name's professor hawk i know it's professor hawk (laughs) (laughs) stephen hawking was big in the 90s see futurama i will i have (laughs) yeah um, so that's that's Golden Diskette. So, Chris, you as someone who's not seen this episode before, what are the most, what are the best twists on Willy Wonka that you saw seeing this for the first time? Um, I For the first one was the DD1. So immediately you have the reversal of your main character is not the one who wins. It's somebody who doesn't care. It'd be like if somebody who was lactose intolerant went to a chocolate factory. It's like, why do I care about this? You're pouring milk into that. I can't have any of this. Like if Jack went to Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, it'd probably be a bad thing because of his dairy allergy. It's like, do you have any pure cacao, like somewhere where it's just dark chocolate? A sterilized hypoallergenic food (laughs) of just cacao. And there are nuts everywhere. Can you please be careful of these peanuts? I could die. This and is made in the same factory as nuts. 
cuckoo, cuckoo. There's another joke. There's another joke right there. You just have like a bunch of people with mallets hitting themselves on the head. In, and in like straight jackets or something. I think that would be 90s okay, but maybe offensive today. Oh, no. Yeah, I, to- <laughs> I totally know that it's 90s okay. I was talking, <laughs> it is not okay now. That is definitely not something you could do now. And it's okay for us to make the hypothetical joke because we know it's not okay. That makes it all right. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm putting it in its place, in its talking about it in terms of as a historical perspective of a joke. <laughs> That's what people would have made that easy, low hanging fruit of the, it's just made in the same factory as nuts. It's like if Woody Woodpecker went to the chocolate factory. Yeah, exactly. Or you have Woody Woodpecker or like really cre- Anyway. Or for some reason, droopy drog hashtag spoilers for Tom and Jerry, Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory. <laughs> we will discuss that. <laughs> Now, um, I do like the change with Didi. I did like the songs because they weren't direct parodies of something from Willy Wonka. They were something that expressed themselves. So there was something original to the show. And I appreciated that once they essentially got to the factory, they were almost pretty much done doing the parody. Mm-hmm. Like the parody part was him getting to the factory in the first place, but everything else is more of a original Dexter thing episode. on Dexter episode. Right. Yeah. Like they have the theme of like the, the factory is whimsical. It's very colorful, which, okay. I should say it's very colorful in terms of like the early original programming of Cartoon Network in the nineties. <laughs> It's like, here are the five colors you can use on your show. Go. (laughs) (laughs) Which is true. (laughs) Which is very, very true. But I I think for me, um, I, it threw me for how much they dispensed with the Willy Wonka stuff. When we talked about, here are the things that you have to, reference when you do a Willy Wonka episode. Well, let's recap. What are those things that they have to reference? Okay. So winning, you have to win this contest to go to there. Um, You may have to have people who are weeded out as impure. And then in the end, somebody wins the factory or you have to call attention to those somehow. I think check for the first and last one. No one really gets weeded out. The um, Then you also have the added attires. We were talking about the songs mm-hmm. and the puns. Now, yes. they, they had a really weird pun about the oompas. I liked it. I don't think I got it as a kid. So instead of oompa loompas... They do an interpretive dance contest to win the factory, um, as scored by the Oompas, which are these robotic German instruments that come out. <laughs> they go oompa ba. <laughs> which I was like, that seems that's a stretch <laughs> in terms of being uh it's a joke that wasn't of the Dexter world, I guess. I don't know. That was uh, just like 
I mean, robots, sure, but part of me was just like, that's just so literal. I don't, I, I, I guess you didn't want to make a joke like, these are the Grunkalunkas. Are they anything like Oompa Loompas? No. Like, <laughs> I guess they didn't want to go that way. They're like, no, the word is Oompa. The only thing I can think of for Oompa is German music. You know, Oompa, Oompa. I, I'm going to give it to them. <clears throat> I'm going to give them Oompas. I'm okay with it. <laughs> well, if you're okay with it, then that's fine. No, we can disagree. It's okay. We I'm don't have to agree on everything. No, I didn't say we were dis- we were agreeing. <laughs> I was just saying that's okay that you have your opinion. Because this is 2017 and people can differ in opinion. Ta-da. There we go. We fixed America. Good job, Raiders. Get animated. High five. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So, Golden Diskette, do you feel successful parody or moderate parody or unsuccessful parody? I feel like it was a moderate parody because I think the fact that it forgot about being a parody early on was okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm so used to, as we were talking about earlier, an episode taking the entire time to essentially go through the major plot points and major images of the episode or of the show, of the movie, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. What are we talking about? (laughs) So I'm, I'm just so used to them hitting every high point of the episode that when they didn't hit every point whatsoever, like there's no equivalent of a chocolate fact of a chocolate waterfall or that Mm. scene. There's Mm. not a very specific scene like that. There's not a boat ride. There's not, you know, you don't get these specific landmarks that you got, but I'm not, I'm I'm saying that's why it's not successful as a direct parody in the same ways that the Futurama episode was, but the fact that it's just a parody in the fact that we know that it's a factory that they're going to visit and that everyone has the expectation of it's going to be like Willy Wonka. Yeah, but, it it captures the whimsical spirit, but none of the specific references. Right. And, and I think that's fine. It's just for me, knowing that you're going on this tour, they were more interested in doing a parody of essentially technology and these and Bill Gates and what it would be like to actually meet those people mm-hmm. as opposed to parodying Willy Wonka. It's like, Oh, what if Bill Gates opened up the factory to let us see what goes on and how things are magically made and how they make surfaces. It's the I 90s. I know. I know. I was mixing it because Bill Gates doesn't, I know. I don't know I what know. would be in. I think that's part of the joke too. So zunes? Looking Were at they this making zunes? No, but like historically, like in the nineties, be like, yeah, who'd want to go to like a Silicon Valley like factory to see how they make computers? Okay, this is crazy. Only Dexter would like this, and now it's like everyone would like to go into one of these buildings. <laughs> <laughs> so there's an irony of time there. Didn't Mike Daisy go into one of the factories? Oh, I would love to. Uh, this air there's more air quotes here yes so yeah mike daisy wrote this like tell all expose about a factory where they assemble computer parts and then it turned out that he lied about everything 
But he's a playwright. But yeah, but he also like confessed to like making everything up for dramatic reasons. It's such an interesting story. I'm fascinated by Mike Daisy and this like story that he made up but claimed to be true. Because it's not like I'm. He wasn't like taking themes and expounding on them. I would like to write a play about playwright Mike Daisy. <laughs> And what happened here? Anyway, but uh, <laughs> in summary, I th- maybe if Mike Daisy had gone with a Willy Wonka parody in his monologue, would it have been more successful? If it's slow to turn into Willy Wonka? Yeah, if, if he talked about in his monologue about how he won a contest to see the whimsical beauty of an iPhone being built, but it ended up at being at one of these f- factories in China. I think you're expecting magic, and then you end up getting reality, <laughs> the reality of it. Then I think maybe there's something there. Maybe you could use Willy Wonka as a cultural tool to change people's expectations. And then it becomes a little more like Frontless Slurm Factory. Yes, but, that's an opportunity for parody, where parody storytelling could have been used in a more obvious and illustrative way instead of just trying to tell the same plot, but in a serious dramatic way. Absolutely. So, Mackenzie, did you have a favorite thing from the two episodes that we watched I did. It's a throwaway joke from Fry and the Slurm Factory that I've caught since the very first time I saw the episode that I don't think everyone catches. And I love, love, <laughs> love to death. So at the end, Spuds McKenzie's with his, like two young girls in bikinis who party with him. There's party girls. And you're like, okay, these are like college girls having some kind of like slurm internship where they party in commercials and bikinis. Great. He's like saving their crew. Like, no, I'm going I'm to stay here and party hard. Girls, you gone without me. It's like, go on, girls, you served me well these 23 years. And, like, that's the end of it? <laughs> you just wonder, like, how old are these girls? <laughs> Were they really young when they became party girls? Or are they, like, 52 now? <laughs> <laughs> Love the party girls. Love the party girls. Mine, for me, is has to go back to Darmed Guards. Darmed Guards. That's just the stupidest joke. And I just, it's its so stupid, uh, and it, the fact that it's calling itself out. <laughs> and it doesn't even have to finish. It doesn't have to even say the next part of the joke. You just know what the joke is. Darmed guards. You know where it's going, <laughs> because all they did was add a D. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. But, <laughs> awesome. I, I, should we just, I, I know... People already know what we're going to be doing for next time, but I think we have to talk about homework time. For your homework, you don't have to watch Tom and Jerry, (laughs) colon, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. We will be discussing it. We have watched it. You don't necessarily have to. For longtime listeners, this will be like our Leo the Lion episode. You don't have to watch it because we have, so you don't have to. You're welcome, Internet. That's next time, continuing our second part of 
Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory conversation with Tom and Jerry. And Willy Wonka. And Willy and Wonka. Factory. I feel like, you know, when you put something really stupid in a chocolate bar that doesn't belong in a chocolate bar, I feel like that's what they did. But we'll get into that more next time. I don't know what you're talking about because everything belongs in chocolate. (laughs) As always, we want to say (laughs) thank you to Jacob Reed for our theme music and thank you to Nigel Coutinho, our hardworking sound engineer. Uh, You can tweet at us on Twitter at WG Animated if you have strong opinions about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory or any parodies we may have missed. Um, you can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash WG Animated, and find all of our show notes and links to everything we've referenced and more things you didn't think we'd ever link to on writersgetanimated.tumblr.com. Like Mike Daisy. I probably We're probably going to put him we'll, in the show notes. We'll have a Mike Daisy link so you can understand our background here and go down a Wikipedia hole. Wikipedia hole. <gasps> that would be a great film. We, we won golden tickets to go into to Wikipedia. Wikipedia. <laughs> oh, how wonderful. I feel like that'd be the episode of like the IT crowd where they convince their manager, like, Jen, this box with a blinking light is the internet. <laughs> Let's go to Wikipedia. Yeah. It's not whimsical at all. Aw. Well, on that note, good night, everybody. Good night.